welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Today we are going to continue with the journeys of Paul. If you recall in our last podcast, we covered his first and second missionary journey, and, and today we are going to cover the third and fourth journey. And as I mentioned last time, there may have been other journeys. These are just the ones that are recorded in Acts that we can uh, follow and um, study. So, uh, But there are different passages throughout the New Testament that somehow kind of indicate he may have been in other places, possibly Spain. We don't know. Okay, so let's start. We sort of left off right at uh, Ephesians 9, or I'm sorry, uh, Acts 19. Now on Paul's third uh, third journey, he is heading back across much of the area he covered before. He's taking the uh, interior route up through the country, which we know as modern-day Turkey, and back through the churches he first started. Remember, Derby, Iconium, uh, Lystra. We talked about those in the last session. And so we can see that he's encouraging the churches along the way. He gets to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, remember, that is where he had left off um, with two of his good friends, um, Priscilla and Aquila, as they were working at the church there. And so he stays there and visits with them for a little while, too. Now, as he is um, preaching and sharing the gospel, quite a few people along the way become believers. And But there are some people who hear about the message of Christ and it sounds familiar but they, they what they are is they are followers of John the Baptist now if you remember when we covered uh, the very beginning of the New Testament where John the Baptist uh, would baptize people for repentance and he had quite a few disciples well those disciples spread out across the you know especially after John the Baptist was beheaded and so some of them never heard the rest of the story about Jesus you know Jesus dying on the cross being raised from the dead. And so when Priscilla and Aquila are explaining this, and uh, then this, then they are thinking, wait a minute, is this the same Jesus that John the Baptist forewarned, or, you know, sort of uh, proclaimed would come, and the same Savior? And so sure enough, they are hear the rest of the story. One of these uh, partial believers or follower of John the Baptist uh, was called Apollos. And so when he hears it, he's a very learned Jew, and so he has really, really studied scriptures. And so he just embraces this. He's so glad to hear the rest of the truth about Jesus. And so he's one of the ones that then eventually ends up in Corinth, and he is teaching in the church in Corinth. Okay, so it's during this time that Paul did many miracles while he's in Ephesus. Uh, If you look in Acts chapter 19, you'll see that even the handkerchiefs that he used or the aprons that he put on, if they were... Uh, if they someone took that and touched a sick person with it, that sick person would be healed. So there was a lot of um, miraculous things happening. Uh, those people who were into witchcraft and sorcery, uh, when they believed, they brought out their sorcery scrolls and all the different magic books and burned them. And these were very, very valuable ancient, um, you know, books that were used in witchcraft and so it was a major change in the city a major uh, reversal of where they had been and this caused not not a few problems in fact so much so that one of the silversmith who used to make the little idols to um, Athena and their different little um, uh, 
Greek gods that they worshipped uh, was mad about it, and he's losing business, and so he's, he starts complaining uh, that these guys are driving him out of business and that this is wrong. And so the latter part of chapter 19 of Acts, we see that there's a riot in town, and there's this great uh, clash between those who believe and those who don't. And so it's shortly after this that basically they run Paul out of town, and he ends up heading for Greece. Now, he stays in Greece about three months, encouraging the new believers that are there. And then somewhere along this route, he writes letters back to the previous church. And, and we think that he wrote the letter to the, the second letter to the Corinthians and um, that he wrote the letter to Galatia, which we know as Galatians. And we will cover those next week in a little more detail. But you can see that... Uh, he is, since he's not able to get to all these places, he just writes a letter. And the beauty is that these letters are taken not only to that church, but then they're carried to the other churches so that they all get a chance to hear uh, Paul's words, um, his thoughts, uh, not just the ones where he, Paul is in their presence. What's beautiful for us is that those same letters were kept and um we now have them today as if Paul were here saying the same things to us. Of course, it's a little different because he's writing to people in a particular culture, and it's not our culture, but a lot of it translates. Okay, so, so Paul travels back through Philippi. He meets up with the rest of his team at Treos, and then the uh, since his journeys have been so successful, uh, people are beginning to crowd into houses to hear him. Now, one night, he is preaching. It's late at night. He's getting ready to leave town, and so he, he wants to get in one last sermon, but the people are so tired, but they show up anyway because they just love to hear him. And he, he has one young man who's on a ledge, and at, he's listening to Paul, but then he nods off and he falls asleep, and he falls out the window, and of course it kills him. Well, Paul runs downstairs, throws himself on the man, and he comes back to life. Now, who does that sound like? Those of you that's, uh, that studied the Old Testament, you're probably saying Elisha or Elijah, and you'd be right. Now, Paul is, has a lot of uh, spiritual power, uh, so much so that he can even bring somebody back from the dead. So th these are things that we marvel at today. We don't see these kind of miraculous works, although I do believe in healings. I do believe that the Holy Spirit still works in very mighty ways in our world. Okay, so completing his third journey, as if you f followed along in your student workbook on the map that that took Paul up through the interior, back up through Philippi, around the area, the churches in Greece, and then back down, and he ends up back in uh, Tyre, where where he's at at the end of his third journey. Um, he stops, and uh, along the way, uh, back in Ephesus, as he's heading back down into uh, Israel and he he just wants to get one more opportunity to share with some of his dear friends that are there and so if you look in the end of chapter 20 um, you can see that Paul is asks he doesn't want he doesn't want to walk all the way into town near emphasis so he just says um, hey can some of the elders come out and meet me and so they do and while they're out there they just cling to him and they say Paul don't go back to Jerusalem you're just going to be killed there in fact one of the guys has sort of a special gift of prophecy and he says this to Paul but Paul just seems to 
acknowledge, yes, that may be the case. Look in verses um, 22. Let's look here. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. This is Paul talking. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you... Uh, among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim, proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with which, with he, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Obviously, Paul is reiterating things that he has said all along. And much of it has to do with, uh, you know, to be on their guard, to be always uh, vigilant in their faith. And he says, So now I commit you to God and to the word of grace, which can build you up, give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that the hand, these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed this by the kind of hard work we must... Uh, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus said himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul kind of gives them his last words, his last will and testament, if you will. And they kneel down and they pray and they don't want to let him go. And yet he knows he must go. And so when he returns to Jerusalem, which he does at the end of his third journey, um, all hell breaks loose for him. Uh, and we'll, we will see what. Turn to Acts 21, and we see here that the word has gotten back to the Jewish leaders about Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. And even though he shows up in the temple and makes a public offering, these Jews are still, there's still a lot of controversy going on. Um, so there's a, a riot breaks out, and the whole city seems to turn against Paul. It's sort of like he epitomizes their frustration with the Christians, that, that their own, even the ones they could trust the most who were diehard uh, Pharisees, now have, are following this strange cult. And so they beat him, and they turn him over to the some Roman soldiers, and the, the Roman soldiers then stop and say, wait a minute, we're just going to arrest him. Because really the crowd was just going to kill him. And so they take him into jail and um, he asks permission to speak to the crowd one last time. And so he allows, the, the Roman soldiers allow him to, which is surprising as anything. And so we have um, just a little snippet about what Paul says. He talks about how the Lord uh, allowed him to go and preach to the Gentiles. And so no matter what he says, they, the people are all upset about it. I, I think he was trying to find a way to bridge the gap with the angry Jews there, but nothing would appease them. And so really the, the Romans then figure, well, we're going to have to get a higher ruling on this. So um, Paul 
as, as they're getting ready to just beat him, Paul stands up and he says, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen. And as soon as he says this, since it was illegal to flog a Roman citizen, they stop and they're kind of concerned about it. And so they decide that they need to take him to have someone else uh, make the verdict, a Roman make the verdict. It couldn't just be one of the rulers of the local territory. And so Acts 23 records the Roman commanders listening to Paul's case. Before, then the Sanhedrin and the chief priests gather. They're going to accuse Paul, but Paul argues that the only reason he's being mistreated is because he believes in the resurrection of the dead. Okay, now the Romans, they don't care about the resurrection of the dead or not. But the Jews were highly divided about this. The Sanhedrin really believed that there was no uh, resurrection from the dead. The Pharisees said there was. So as soon as he had said this, it divided his critics. And then they began fighting among themselves. It was a very wise move. And so because of it, the the commander at the time says, I'm just going to wash my hands of this. And so he sends Paul on to the governor of the territory. Okay, so... Paul hears of a plot to kill him along the way, that, that there's going to be an ambush. And so he mentions this to them, and so they decide we better make sure he's transferred in a different way um, so that you know we don't lose him in the process because we could get in big trouble since he's a Roman citizen. So they, they send Paul immediately, it's even the same night, to the governor who's Felix. Okay, now Felix listens and uh, he's quite interested about it. Um, he's not able to make a decision though. And really what he's trying to do is posture for a bribe. He thinks, well, if Paul bribes me, then yeah, I'll let him go. So Paul, because he can't bribe him, he won't, uh, sits in prison for two years until Felix is replaced by Festus. Uh, so now there's a new governor in town, and he's clearing old, uh, you know, cases that have piled up. And in the process, he has to review what's going on with Paul. And he decides that um, probably the best thing to do is just to send him on to Rome. Now, he comes to this decision after he has tried to appeal to the local authorities and tried to convince Paul that, hey, can we work this out? And Paul says, hey, if I'm deserving all of this, if I'm deserving death, then I appeal to Caesar. Well, that's all it took. So Festus then talks to the King Agrippa of the area of Caesarea and, and says, you know, see my situation I'm in? And so Paul then is able to go before King Agrippa, and he is able to make his case with him to present the gospel, basically. And as Paul presents this gospel, uh, King Agrippa is nearly saved. He nearly becomes a Christian. At the last minute, he says, I'll have to think about this. So, um, but he does decide that he doesn't think Paul is doing anything wrong. And so they do go ahead and decide, well, we better send him on to Rome for trial. All right, so then the end of... Acts, which is uh, Paul's fourth journey, is really just his uh, being transferred to Rome. And along the way, several interesting things happen. Uh, they, they begin their trip uh, by sea. The, they manage to get up and around up to uh, one of the points that's um, in the latter part of where Turkey is now. They, they make one more stop and then they're heading across the Mediterranean Sea to Malta. 
along the way there's a horrible storm so much so that it breaks apart the ship and so there's they're basically uh shipwrecked and they manage to get to the island of, of Malta just swimming and hanging on to pieces of wood and when they get there they're um the, the islanders treat them like royalty they end up being there about three months and it's during this time at one point that Paul is bitten by a poisonous snake and it has no effect on him and they all think oh you know God really is upon him you know so um, anyway so there this is an interesting time for Paul he is able to share the gospel even as he's being tried as he's going through the uh, shipwreck as he's being um, left ashore on with with all the everyone on the ship manages to survive and so they all have this amazing respect for Paul and Paul tells them hey we're all going to get through this and so when they finally get to the island of Malta after the shipwreck they they really do believe that that what he's speaking is the truth so he has influence over his even his captors okay finally he gets to Rome now remember that Paul had written a letter to the believers in Rome because he had always wanted to get there and now he's finally there of course he's under heavy guard but um, the neat thing is that while he is in Rome waiting his final verdict his appeal to Caesar that he is basically in a rented house he's given sort of like um, house arrest you might call it so for two years he's pretty much given a little bit of freedom in that he's comfortable he's able to write many of his letters that he wrote from there he wrote Philippians Colossians Ephesians Philemon we're going to cover those next week we call them the prison epistles because they were the letters that were wrote what were written while he was in prison he's eventually freed um, we think that he may have made some a few other uh, trip somewhere but that has wasn't recorded because it's not at the end of, of Acts. Acts ends with him being under house arrest. Uh, we know that the Romans under Nero uh, basically turn against Christians of all kinds and so even though he is given a certain amount of freedom he's eventually killed. Um, it's at this time that uh, they begin feeding the Christians to the lions and burning them on poles to like the emperor's garden this is a sad time for Christians during the reign of Nero and so the early church begins to go underground because it, it can no longer be um, okay they, they can no longer exist in public because if anybody that knows that they're a Christian might turn against them it's kind of the Nazi Germany thing Germany thing if you were a Jew all right so that covers the four trips of Paul that we know about uh, he was an amazing man and as you can see uh, given a, amazing powers of the spirit and wrote a lot of what we call our Christian doctrine what we believe as far as um, how we relate to God what what it meant when Jesus came how that changed our faith and what Christianity really is okay so I'm going to stop here and we will cover the books of Paul the letters that he wrote uh, in our next lesson and just a little summary of each one if you have time I would really encourage you to read through most of them are are short but read through the rest of the letters of Paul that you might not have covered uh, they are listed in the student workbook uh, if you do not have the student workbook you're going to be looking at reading Romans the book of Romans the book of first and second Corinthians the book of Galatians and Ephesians 
the books of Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Those are the books that we know that Paul wrote. It's possible that he also wrote Hebrews, but we're going to cover that in a different section because we don't know that for sure. All right, um, one thing I failed to mention is that while the, the book of Acts, while it's being written about halfway through uh, during the second journey, it's, it's written in a first-person sense. So we think that the author of Acts, who was Luke, at least that's who we think it was, was the one who was writing uh, about the the second and third missionary journeys. So I think that's kind of interesting. He's loved to write in great detail as we see during in the book of Luke. And so that's why we know as much as we do about what was going on with the early church. Um, after this book, after the book of Acts, all we have are the letters. And so we really don't know what is happening to the church except by tradition or by outside sources. Um, historians that were writing at the time. So anyways, as I always say, thank you for joining us for Basic Bible 101. Please take the time to go ahead and read some of Paul's letters. If you read even a few of them, you'll get a flavor for the way, that, the things that he cared about and what he was trying to communicate to the early believers. And in many times, they'll it'll sound familiar. You'll read one book and it sounds very similar to what he's writing in another letter. For more resources, remember you can go to basicbible101.com. Email me if you have thoughts or questions or just would like to know about um, the answers to the lessons. I did have someone email me and asked me, okay, where do I get the answers to the student workbook? And that should be on the website. It has not been up to this point. So if you're listening to this in real time, um, know that that is the next thing I am working on and it should be up in the next few weeks. Those of you that are waiting on the leader's guide for the New Testament, that is nearly done. Just a few more edits on that, and it will be ready and available uh, to purchase online as well. Thank you so much. As always, if there's anything that you need from me, please be sure and email me, Margie, M-A-R-G-I-E, at basicbible101.com. And until next time, be blessed. Mm -hmm.